uh, this week as as I was just meditating and just asking God where he wanted to go, I felt, I felt this whole concept of intercession just drop into my spirit because that's how we birth the seed. If you think about we we have the seed of God within us, right? Conception has occurred. Now God wants to birth something with us. And and sometimes we, we don't understand that what it takes to really birth the, the move. Of, we say this is a move, but what's it going to take to birth that move? Not just coming to church every Sunday from 9 to or 10 to 12 or whatever we do. That's not going to birth the move of God. It's going to take intercession. It's going to take on your knees praying for your children. That thing that that enemy is going to move out of your way because we've been praying. We've been interceding for that, Lori. So intercession. And, and God is looking for intercessors. And how many times we think intercessors is like a gift. The gift of intercession. No, every, every believer can be an intercessor. Not every believer is an intercessor because they choose not to be an intercessor. I believe God calls all people to intercede. I really do. If, you, if you're a believer and you've got the Spirit of God within you, you should be interceding. And I'll tell you why. My last scripture is going to show you why. Can you wait till then? Because Jesus is constantly interceding for us. And we are to follow his example. Reese Howe, you know, he was a great prayer warrior, great intercessor. This is what he said. How many want to be a great instrument used by God? He says, every greatly used instrument of God has been an intercessor. John Wesley for backsliding England, William Booth for the down and outs, Hudson Taylor for China, C.T. Studd for the unevangelized world. What about us? Every, every person that God uses greatly was an intercessor first. And I, you know, I felt such a call for intercession for the church and then individually as, as well. And, and I believe God wants to birth some promises that he's made to all of us. He's made many promises through his word, right? But what about specific rhema promises he's made to you? A ministry, a business, an, an opportunity, a child, a marriage, whatever it might be that God has spoken to you. And he said, I got this thing. You don't have to worry. I've got this thing. And, and God wants to birth that in our lives. And, 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 we, and what happens too many times, just like with a, a child, you know, once a child is conceived and it's in that womb, it's developing, right? It reaches a point where it's time for that thing to be birthed, that baby to be birthed. Well, it's time for the thing that God has promised you to be birthed in your life. And it goes through something called the transition. And I should, I should get Debbie up here to talk about this. She's a doula. She can do it a whole lot better than me. You know, I was asleep when both my kids were born, so I'm just talking about what I've read in a textbook. So, so I don't remember them being born. I just woke up and there they were. That's the way they used to do it back in the old days. But anyway, but it goes through that part of the birth canal where there's the pushing that takes place. And I think intercession is pushing. We're pushing that thing that is ready to be birthed, that God wants to birth in your life, in your ministry. And we're giving, we're going to bring that thing to life with our intercession. And I believe also that that is the last stage in transition is that pushing before that baby comes. And I think we should be interceding all along. But I believe there's a, there's a power point of intercession that's going to push that thing through, that's going to give birth to that thing that you've been waiting on. You just can't abort the baby. And too many times we abort the baby because we give up. And we don't trust what God has said. So as I was just looking through Scripture, what can we learn about intercession and intercessors? And just these are just a few things, and I'm sure there's a lot more than this, and I kind of stuck to the Old Testament. Oh, there's great stories in the New Testament. Remember the story about Peter being in prison? Who was praying? The church. 
The church was, and the church was kind of caught off guard when Peter showed up, right? Do we ever get, do we ever get that way? We're praying for something and praying for something and then it happens. What's this? You're not Peter. But, you know, but the church, there's a time for the church to be interceding as well as individuals. So I, I don't want you to think because I'm not mentioning that specifically today. But, but who is an intercessor? First of all, the word intercessor just means one who comes between. One who comes between. See, we're called to come between God and whatever that thing is that God wants to birth, right? And so as I just thought about that, I thought, okay, God, what is it that we pray for? What is it that we intercede for? The first one that comes to mind, of course, is Abraham. And we say, and I'm not going to, you should be familiar with these. These are very familiar stories in the Bible. But in Genesis chapter 18, you'll, you know, the two angels and the Lord came to Abraham. That's when he announced that Sarah was going to have a child and she laughed, you know, and, and all of this. But he was coming to see what was going on in Sodom. And he was, he said, is it, can I do a thing without telling Abraham, my prophet, what I'm going to do? Because he's such a righteous person. He said, he's going to be the father of many nations. I can't do this thing without telling Abraham. So what happens is Abraham begins to plead with God for the righteous that's left in the city. So we see that Abraham was interceding for the righteous in Sodom. And that's when this, this great, this great, uh, manipulation of, of Abraham begins with God. He starts, with, God, surely with just 50 people, if there's 50 righteous, you won't destroy a city. God says, for 50, I won't. What about 45? Well, for 45, I won't. 40, 40, 30, 30, 20. Gets down to 10. For 10 people, I won't destroy a city. But you know, unfortunately, there wasn't 10 people in, in Sodom that was righteous. It was only Abraham, his wife, and his two daughters that was saved in the whole city. But God relented, and Abraham spoke boldly before God for those who were in the city and those who were innocent. I want to ask us, can we intercede for the innocent? Can you and I intercede for the innocent? Let me just tell you about our own city, our own nation, 60 million-plus babies aborted. Can we intercede for the innocent? Let's bring it home. Cabarrus County, 275 homeless families, 853 children of those 575 are students. What does homeless mean? They live in shelters, they live in cars, they live in tents, they live in empty buildings, and some are in hotels. That's how it's, that's the definition of homeless. One in five children in Cabarrus County have food deficiency. Can we intercede for the innocent? Or are we too busy? Are we too busy? Can we appeal to God for justice and the protection of the innocent? Can we do that? Let me give you a scripture. God showed me this scripture many years ago. In Lamentations. And I want you to read this scripture. And this is, this is a call to prayer for every single one of us. It says, Cry aloud before the Lord, O walls of beautiful Jerusalem. Let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no rest. Give your eyes no relief. Listen to this. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to Him in prayer, pleading for your children. For in every street they faint with hunger. Every street. We see this all of the time in the schools, in the, in the, in the city. The kids are fainting from spiritual hunger. Let me have the mic. We're going to pray for our children. I want you to stand. We're going to have you, we're going to have you jumping up and down this morning. I'm going to ask Terry to pray for the children. So be prepared. Nobody's been, nobody's been warned. Praying for our children. Can we pray? Can we intercede for the innocent? Join me as we pray for the children. 
God, we lift up those that are still in the womb. Yes, God. That are about. Hallelujah, God. Mm, about to be aborted. God, we cry out for mercy. God, we cry out for an awakening in this nation, God. That the heinous act of abortion is murder. God, wake in this nation. And God, spare these children, God. God, we lift up the children in Cabarrus County. God, there's almost 900 children homeless right now. God, there's resources, there's plans, but God, you have a master plan to reach these people. God, with one word, this can be resolved. God, we intercede for them, and God, we pray that we will be part of the plan, that you will raise up churches, people, individuals, businesses, raise up people, God, awaken your church, that we will see the pain in the children, God, in the families in this community, God. God, they're starving for you, literally for you, but they're starving for food. They're starving for shelter, God. God, let them experience you through us. That we intercede, then we do something. We don't just pray, we do. As you you give us direction, God, we specifically do exactly what you say. So God, we're calling for a plan from you for this community. That there will be no homeless families, no homeless children, no hungry children, God. And God, they will be introduced to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They will have an encounter with you, God. And God, we give ourselves to you, God. Whatever you say, God, we will do. Just speak to us, God, individually and corporately, I pray. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we know just as Abraham, Abraham appealed to you, to your character for judgment. Lord, we know that you judge sin. We also know that you're a just God. And God, as, as Terry prayed and as we have agreed together, Father God, we believe, Father God, that you will intervene on behalf of these innocent, just as you intervened in Sodom and pulled those people out of that city, God. God, we're praying to raise up deliverers, raise up the righteous, put righteous people in government, Father. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And the church said, Amen. Okay, you can rest a second. Number two, who do we intercede for? We intercede for the guilty and the faithless. You say, what? For the guilty and the faithless? In, in Numbers 16 and Exodus 32, we see the story. You know, when Moses was up on the mountain and God said, Oop, Moses, there's some things going on down there that you may not like. And what was it? It was they were building the golden calf. And I think it's kind of funny if you, I hadn't really read that and thought about this until this week, but, but the Lord said to Moses, is those people, your people that you led up. And Moses said, no, God, your people. Nobody wanted to claim the people. And he said, go get the people. Nobody wanted to claim the people at all. But Moses and God said, I'm going to wipe them out. Look what they're doing. They're committing idolatry. All I've done for them, they committed idolatry. I'm going to wipe them out. But Moses stood between God and his wrath. I want to ask us, how many people do we know that don't serve God, that we know are unrighteous, that we are we willing to stand in the gap be, between God and their wrath? 
Moses restrained the wrath of God against the covenant nation of Israel. And then we see in number 16 again where Moses and the leadership and his and Aaron's leadership was being questioned and, and, and they interceded again for the rebellious people of Israel because God was going to wipe them out with a plague. Can we intercede for the lost and the rebellious? Can we get between God and those who maybe have hurt us, those who have insulted us, those who have offended us? Can, do we dare take the stand and just get between God and the wrath that's going to come on them surely? Or do we just say, well, they just get what they deserve. They get what they deserve. Can we intercede for a nation that's lost because they have forgotten God? What about the drug addicts, the prostitutes? I look at what happened to Kanye West and look at the influence he's having today on people. Can we pray for these that are just spit in your face and think about the influence they may have down the road on, on others? The ones that he himself is, is leading. To, we don't care about what else is going on. That's between him and God, right? Everybody wants to judge somebody, but do we have, do we have the boldness? Do we have the compassion and the love in our hearts to pray for those who are lost? Let me ask you, Jeremiah, I want to read this out of Jeremiah 5, 1 through 3. I want you to stand. I'm going to ask Wayne to pray for the lost. But I'm going to read this first. Jeremiah 5, 1 through 3. Run up and down every street in Jerusalem. Run up and down every street in Concord. Run up and down every street in Charlotte in the U.S., says the Lord. Look high and low and search throughout the city. If you can find even one just and honest person, I will not destroy the city. Now, I believe we're just and honest in here, so God's not going to destroy the city. But even when they are under oath saying, as surely as the Lord lives, they're still telling lies. Lord, you are searching for honesty. You struck your people, but they paid no attention. You crushed them, but they refused to be corrected. They are determined like faces set with stone. They have refused to repent. We have to pray for people right now. We see it. We see it all. The, we see it on TV. We see it's an abomination to God. Some of the things that goes on that people say in His name, even that goes on in churches when hearts are so hardened and they refuse to repent, they refuse to accept the way of the Lord. How many of you have people in your family that's just hard that that you know need Jesus? And they'll make fun of you or they'll laugh at you or they'll laugh at anything that has to do with religion or spirit Christianity. We need to pray for these people just as Moses and Aaron prayed for the, the guilty and the faithless. Wayne, would you pray for the people? Most holy, most gracious God, we bring the lost before the throne of grace today by the, name, by the blood of Jesus. Father, we were once lost and you saved us. Yes, you did. So, Father, we're thanking you for saving them as well. We're standing in the gap for the lost right now, Father. Father, we're going to Ezekiel 36 where you say, Take out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh that they may serve you all the days of their lives, Father. That's what we're praying for the lost, Father. We know that that they're rebellious. That's what the lost, the lost are rebellious. We were once rebellious with them, but you saved us, Father. And I always say, Father, if you save me, you can save anybody. And Father, I'm thanking you for, for your mercy and grace that's being poured out on the lost right now. I'm, I'm, I'm saying right now, I'm proclaiming right now that they are not lost anymore, but that's they right. are coming that's into right. the Thank kingdom God. of God. 
I'm saying the kingdom of God is overflowing with the lost right now, Father. That they that they have forsaken their wicked ways, Father, and and, and they have turned their hearts towards you. Oh Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for the hand of God that's that move right, that's moving right now, and bringing them in to the fold, Father. We thank you for it, and we believe, Father, for we know that you you watch over your word to perform it, Lord, and it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just hang on to that a minute, if you would. You can sit. praying for the innocent and praying for the lost do we ever get so hardened that we don't care about those who are lost who are in perversion I think sometimes as Christians we can look down our nose at people when they don't do it the way we do it they don't feel the way we feel they don't love God the way we love God they don't treat people the way we treat people well you know I'm telling you what sinners act like sinners why would we expect them to be anything different can we have enough compassion in our heart that when we were at the worst, God came to us? At the very worst, God came to us. Who are we to, to think anyone is not worthy of our prayers and our intercession? Number three, who do we pray for? We pray for the nation. We look in the book of Esther, and, I, and these, please, this is all on the podcast notes, so you can get those. I just wanted to just really to show us in Scripture what the Scripture says about the people, the, the things, the situations we should be praying for. But you know the story about Esther, and she, she became the queen, and, and there was an evil Haman, and actually his, his name means noise or tumult. His name means there's a lot of noise going on in our nation today. There's a lot of noise, and I'm telling you, there's a spirit, there's, there's a spirit of Haman been released in our nation that wants to destroy our nation, and especially wants to destroy anything that's godly in our nation. And we know that what did Esther do? She called the people to fast and to pray and to intercede for the nation that the hand of God would be favorable upon her as she reached out to the king. Can we intercede for our nation? There's no doubt that America is drifting away from God. Can we intercede for our nation? Violence is in the schools and in the cities. Shootings here and there. We just saw in Salisbury, a quarterback of one of the local colleges was paralyzed eating in a restaurant. Somebody shot up in the restaurant. That shouldn't happen. Young people killed recently at Concord Mills. That shouldn't be happening. Just going to watch a movie and and they, they don't come home. That shouldn't happen. Can we intercede for our nation? Children are angry and they need help to cope with anger and grief in the schools. That's what we've been told. They're begging us to come into the schools because we need we need help with the children's anger. This shouldn't be happening. Churches ignore social issues of the day and remain asleep. While the church is sleeping, all of this is happening. And our culture is filled with fake news, greed, immorality, and perversion. There's a lot of noise, a lot of babble, a lot of confusion going on. And I believe there's an antagonistic spirit of Antichrist that's rising up and has, has risen up in our nation to destroy what God wants to do, this great nation. I'm going to ask us, will we intercede for our nation? It's only the church that can prevail against the gates of hell. They will not prevail against us. We're the only ones that have the authority to destroy the influence of hell in our nation. I'm going to ask Bill, Dr. Bill, if he will, will pray for our nation.
Father God, we come to you with humble hearts. Yes. We ask that we would be a sheep nation here in the United yes. States. Lord, we were founded on the righteousness and justice and equality for all. We were a Christian experiment in the beginning. Lord, our colleges and universities would train ministers and missionaries and statesmen. And Lord, we have drifted so far away from you. We've taken your commandments out of our schools. We've taken prayer out of our schools. We've taken Bibles out of our schools. And Lord, we confess and repent that that is totally wrong. We ask you to come back in every institution of our nation. Lord, we need you. We need your word. We need your people to stand up and be bold and courageous. No matter what the persecution of the world, we say no to what the enemy is trying to do in our nation. God, turn it around. Bring it. Bring us all to you. Lord, we pray for godly leaders, leaders who know you, who love you, who stand on your word, who will seek your guidance and direction for how they rule. Lord, we pray for justices in our nation who will not take bribes, who will not show favoritism to the rich and famous and let them get away with things that the average man can't. You are a just and righteous God. We want you to be on the throne of our throne of our nation. God, your word says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we want you to return as Lord of our nation. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for being asleep while the world has taken over the institutions of our nation. But with your help... In your empowerment, we're going to take back every institution of our nation. And we will once again rule and reign with you in our nation as the one true God. In your power, in your might, in your majesty, Lord, let it happen. And we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you would just pass that mic to Donna Lizchick. Surprise. Donna Liz check behind you. Number four, who do we intercede for? We intercede for the purposes and the plans of God in the earth. There's many examples in scripture that I could have used, but one of my I love the book of Nehemiah. And we know that Nehemiah interceded for God's plan for restoration of Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem represent? It's the city of God. It's peace. It's the house of God. It's the nation of Israel, and it's the church. Can we pray? Can we intercede for that the church to be restored to the church that Jesus talked about in Matthew 16? It says in Nehemiah 1, 1 and 4, says, In the late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Now, he was just a cupbearer, by the way. He wasn't a big deal religious person. wasn't even a king or a priest, just a cupbearer. He said, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. 
They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Four months, Nehemiah mourned and fasted and prayed for Jerusalem. And we see that when Nehemiah then went before the king and the king gave him special provision. And in chapter 2 it says, So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. This is after the time. And I slipped out during the night taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. See, there's plans God has for our city, our churches. God has a plan for the church. God has a plan for his nation. And when the wall was down around Jerusalem, that was a sign of disgrace because they were an open target for the enemy. And there's a, I believe the church has the walls down around it, the church at large. There's, there's a church that really does not represent who Christ said the church should be. And I think it's time that we become moved with compassion for the church to become the church. For the church to rise up. In our prayer time last night, we, we, every, everyone was just saying, God, we just want the church. We want you to be real. We want your presence to be here. We want to see people healed, set free. We want to see the same thing we saw in the book of Acts. And we said, God's not the problem. God's not the problem. God doesn't change. What's the problem? God, we want the church to be restored. We want your nation of Israel to be protected. Nehemiah mourned for the condition of the city. I've said this before several years ago. I was standing right here, I'll never forget. And the Lord said to me, when the pastors of the city mourn for the city as Nehemiah mourned for Jerusalem, we'll see transformation happen. See, we're more concerned about building our kingdom than building God's kingdom. I've quoted last week what Dan said in prayer the night before. He said, churches have been more concerned with being cool than they have been being holy. And that's a sad that's a sad testimony. Nehemiah mourned for the city and mourned for Jerusalem. Can we mourn for the church? Donna will ask you if you'll pray for the church. Let's stand if you will. Father God, we come before you with humble hearts. God, remove the complacency that's in us. Yes. Remove the prideful thoughts and ways, God that we would look beyond ourselves to see what is going on around us. God, open our eyes to truly see. Open our ears, Lord, that we hear the cries of the people and the families. Lord, open our hearts to no longer be deceived by what we think we know, God, versus what your truth is. God, I thank you that Impact Church is a catalyst. I thank you, Lord, that we are a forerunner. I thank you, Lord, that we will bind ourselves with other churches, Lord, that we will become connected, that there will be unity in churches again. Lord, I thank you that it isn't about just impact. It isn't about any church who's doing just the right thing, Lord. It's about the unity in the churches, that we are here, Lord, to serve you. That we are here, Lord, to be a a place where people find their refuge, where they find healing, Lord. Where the miraculous is happening, Lord, because of what you want to do. Lord, we see cities in the nation where people cannot praise you anymore. 
They cannot carry their Bibles in China, Lord. They have to follow a whole new law, and it is not yours. God, we don't take for granted the freedom that we have in this church. We are so grateful, Lord. There are children being used, Lord. There are nine-year-olds being used, Lord, to carry out the work of those who want to cause harm to others. Lord, if the church doesn't rise up, we will lose our families. Yes, thank you, God. So, Lord, I thank you that this church has has intercessors, Lord, who will rise up. I thank you, Lord. You are calling forth increased numbers of intercessors. That there will be none who sit on the pews anymore, Lord. Raise them up, Lord. Show them what an intercessor looks like, Lord. It isn't because it's work, God. It's that our hearts hurt for others. Fill us, Lord, with your compassion, your grace, your mercy, Lord. Yes. I thank you, Lord. We will be on our face. We will be on our knees, Lord, in churches, in our homes, Lord, with others. And we will become bonded and unified with other churches so we can rise up against the things that are trying to come against this world. We are taking back the families, God, and we thank you for it. Yes. The church will be the church again. The world does not make the decisions. Groups do not make the decisions. The church, Lord, your church will reign again. And we thank you, Lord. We give you the glory, the honor, Lord. We exalt you, for you are mighty, Lord. And you will reign in our churches, in our homes, in our families. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. You know, the church is called to be separate, to be distinct, to be set apart. We talked about that some last week. You know, when the seed of God is in us, we can't we can't tolerate sin in our life. We're not we're not comfortable with sin because we have the seed of, of the divine sperm of God in us. But too often we want to look like the world, we want to act like the world. And the church is called to be separate, to be set apart, to be distinct. I think the reason there's very little power in many churches and many places is because we look too much like the world. And we can't say like Jesus said in the book of John. He said, the devil has nothing in me. He has no power over me because we have too much in common with the enemy. Terry and I were talking yesterday. I think sometimes we have, we don't know what we don't know. I was thinking about our grandkids and and this younger generation. They've grown up in a world that's different than we grew up in. The world's not even the same. And they only know what they've been exposed to and what they've seen. This is why the generations need to be blended. So we can teach and lead and direct because they only know what they've been exposed to. Unless somebody teaches them the truth. So you're going to rest a minute. Takes me to the book of Daniel. Is there a pattern for effective intercession? Daniel 9, verses 1 and 2 says, It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. 
As we look through the book, just if if we've been reading and studying the book of Daniel just in our everyday reading, but Daniel 6 through 9, you'll see that there's some, some things that are told to us about who Daniel really was. What kind of person was Daniel? What kind of person is an intercessor? And I think Daniel is a great example of what an intercessor looks like. First, Daniel was consistent. In Daniel 6, we see that Daniel prayed three times a day as was his custom. He was consistent. He prayed three times a day. We also see that he was bold and persistent. When when Daniel had heard that the law was signed, that a person could not pray to anyone other than King Darius for 30 days, what did he say? Daniel did as was his custom. He was bold in the face of compromise. He was persistent in what he believed. We also see that Daniel was focused. It says that he went to his room, he opened his window, and he faced toward Jerusalem. He was focused toward the things, the the very point and uh, purpose of God for the restoration of Jerusalem. We also see that he had a pattern of repentance and thanksgiving and petition. He gave thanks to God and he prayed for God's help after he repented. And then we see, lastly, that he prayed the revealed will of God. He was a person of the Scripture. See, he didn't pray his own agenda. He didn't pray the agenda of the church. He prayed the will of God as found in this word right here. Let's go to what Daniel was praying about. Jeremiah 29. This is a portion of scripture that's talked about in Daniel chapter 9. And it says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. I will bring you home again. So Daniel realized the time for restoration was coming to fruition. The time for restoration was beginning. And then he saw the promise. And the Lord said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. How many times do we quote that scripture over ourselves? Oh, I know the plans God has for me. Well, do you ever think that it followed 70 years of desolation? That's where the promise came from. After 70 years of God correcting. Oh, we just want to talk about the promise. And then do we go to the next part in verse 12? It says, Daniel also understood what had to happen to get this to come to pass. And it says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. In what days? In the days after the time for the promise to come. See, we want to quote the word. We want to quote the promise. Do do we pray it in? Do we intercede? Do we give it birth through our intercession of what God has promised to us? He said, in those days when you pray, I will listen. But if, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you're going to find me. See, it's not hit and miss. Daniel prayed three times a day. I have a feeling Daniel prayed more than that. He prayed three times a day. He was focused on what he was supposed to be praying. It didn't matter what anyone said. It didn't matter about the laws. He was going to pray. He was persistent. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. How? By persistently seeking God. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own own land. Daniel understood how the promise was to come to pass. See, after the people had gone through 70 years of desolation, 70 years of correction by God for their sins, the promise was there. But it wasn't just floating around. Oh, I think I'll take that promise. No, we got to do we've got to birth that promise in our life. What promise has been made to you and your family? This church, this nation. What promise? 
Are we just quoting the promises or are we doing like Daniel? Or can we do what it takes to birth that promise into life? Can we give life to that promise? God, you said this was going to be a great nation. This nation was founded on Christian principles and the enemy's trying to destroy it. Do we, do we dare be persistent enough in our intercession to, to tell the devil he's not taking our land, he's not taking our children, he's not taking our schools, he's not taking our marriages, he's not taking our finances? Oh, well, somebody will do it. Somebody will do it. What don't we have that we would have had we prayed? And what won't we have that we could have if we do pray? Would we have 60 million babies aborted at the church and not been asleep? I don't think so. Would we have the issues going on in the school if the church had not been asleep? I don't think so. If the church had been, you know, the, most, many churches don't even have prayer. I had a friend of mine from another church. I think I'm going to come to your church to pray. I said, well, pray at your church. We don't have prayer. We just pray during the services. I said, dear God. The average time that people spend in prayer is less than four minutes a day. They call themselves Christians. Actually, I read it's really less than one minute a day. And pastors, I think, less than seven. Dear God, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's on the average. I think we have a little higher percentage rate than that around here. He says, I'm going to end your captivity and restore your fortunes if you look for me wholeheartedly. Some of you need some restoration taking place in your life. Are you looking to God? Or are you speaking, the, the, speaking what you see? Speaking the promise. Are you seeking God with all your heart? Or are you complaining and murmuring and, and griping? See, the promise is the same. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 says, So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. You know why I think that Daniel did that? I think there's too many distractions today. It's hard for us to be still long enough to pray. Daniel took away any kind of fleshly comfort. I can't imagine wearing rough burlap. But how many times do we start to pray and we get so distracted? I'm telling you, I'm praying for deliverance from technology. It's coming. We were talking about that this week. We said, you know, we, it just kind of slips in, right? You get every, you know, Apple said we're going to make things that nobody can live without. Or you know, people can't live without. They've done exactly that. But it's a psychological need now more than a necessity just for life. Everything we do is wrapped around a screen. Seven and a half hours a day, the average person spends in front of some kind of screen. Seven and a half hours in a screen, eight hours working, eight hours sleeping. It's okay. That doesn't leave much time for prayer and seeking God, does it? And then he said, Oh Lord God, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill covenant. And keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commandments. And verse 20 says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. See, praying for the will of God. Can we pray for the will of God in our nation, regardless of what political party is in office? Well, God, we want your will as long as my guy wins or my girl wins, whoever it might be. 
Can we do that? Can we pray the will of God and outside of our own selfish desires? As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come to give you insight and understanding. God wants to give us insight. He wants to give us revelation into what his will really is. Ezekiel 22.30 says, I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land. That's where we usually stop. What does it say? That I should not destroy it, but I found none. But I found none. See, God is a just God. He's also a God of judgment. He will punish sin. Can he find people who will stand in the gap so that he doesn't have to destroy a nation? If he put his own people into bondage, what will he do to the, U- to the U.S. if we continue in our sins, in our ways? Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray at all times on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert with, and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. Do we get the picture that we really should be spending a lot of time in prayer? Didn't Jesus say we should always pray and not grow weary, not faint in our prayer time? 1 Timothy 2.1 says, Most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Pray for all men with all forms of prayer and request as you intercede with what? Intense passion. We need to be interceding for the schools, for our supervisors, our teachers, our president, our congresspeople. We need to get people in our government who love God. We need to get people who aren't just seeking to become millionaires and serving. They need to be serving the people, right? It amazes me how somebody can go into an office, a regular person, and come out a multi-millionaire. How does that happen? I don't understand. There's something going on here. We need to be praying for our government, get the corruption out of our government in all parties. It's, it's everywhere. It's not just one. It's all parties. It's been going on for years, Right? But do we have enough passion and concern to intercede for our nation? I told you last week, I have children and grandchildren. And I, don't, I, I told our grandson last Sunday after I left here, I said, we left you a mess. Fix it. We left our children a mess, those of my generation. Why? Because while we were sleeping, while we were sleeping... Donna, don't you have any real happy messages that make me feel real good and I can run out of here jumping and shouting and dancing? This was one. This should excite you that you can go before God and you can get every promise He has if you seek Him with all of your heart. This is the answer to why you're not getting the breakthrough. This is the answer to why your children are not serving God. And I'm telling you, parents, don't put yourself in condemnation over that. I told the prayer group last night. I was thinking about that. I was just thanking God. I thank God all the time because I just can't believe He's so good to me. And I thank you for my awesome two kids that we have. They're just wonderful children. Six grandchildren, wonderful children. Have they had their moments? Yes. But you know what? God has brought it through. And I thought about how parents, and I've had many, many parents say to me, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know where I messed up. And I was thinking that, and the Lord just interjected something. He said, I was the perfect father, and yet my children chose to rebel. God was the perfect father, but yet his children chose to rebel. Don't put yourself in condemnation. Every person has a choice, just like Adam and Eve did. 
See, God gave us his sovereign will is that we get to choose. But he said, if you choose this, if you walk according to this book, it'll go well with you. We haven't taught our children this. See, it says when you get up with your children, read the word. When you go to bed, read the word. When you're out, read the word. But most of the time, we're all on our electronics, aren't we? Nothing wrong with electronics. I love them. But sometimes they can have too much control. The priority of intercession. Jesus intercedes for us. Hebrews 7 says, But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. Listen to this. He lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. Jesus is interceding for That's why we can sing that song, Waymaker. He's working in the background. He's interceding. He's blocking this. He's precluding that. He's preempting this. He's got angels all over the church waiting, just going ahead of us. Let me tell you a story. This, this was years ago, right after, right after uh, our daughter started school and... Um, she started Chapel Hill, got married, moved to Florida, finishing school down there. And every time I was in prayer, I would have this vision. And it was my daughter going through an a, uh, intersection, and she was getting hit broadside. And so I just said, in the name of Jesus, I bind that thing. And that went on for a, two or three weeks maybe. And then it just lifted. And so it wasn't long that she called me, and she said, wow, I had a close call today. I said, what happened? She said, I was going through an intersection, and my brakes failed. She said, but all of a sudden, my car just stopped. And I said, thank you, God. Do you see? Thank you, God. We can intercede on behalf of what... See, God will reveal to you what His plan is for your life and for your children. I can't tell you the prayers, and you know this. You wake up in the middle of the night and you've got prayers for your grandchildren. We need to intercede for our children and grandchildren. They've been raised in a crazy world. Our children went to Christian school and churches all their life, but I'm telling you, the influence is, is terrible against with our children. And we don't always like what we see, do we? But we just love them and we pray for them. And we intercede and we know God's promise is truth. He says, when you intercede and you ch- seek me with all your heart, you're going to have this promise. I know the promise I have for your family. I know the promise I have for your children. And when you seek me, you're going to find that promise. Might be a little ugly along the way, but you're going to find the promise at the end of the day. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. If Jesus is interceding day and night, if the Holy Spirit is interceding, should we not follow that example of interceding for others? Interceding for the innocent, interceding for the lost, interceding for our nation, and interceding for the plans of God. And sometimes I believe, I said this earlier, it takes the church, sometimes God wants the church, just like with Peter's situation, sometimes the church needs to get together and that corporate power of intercession will loose those chains on Peter on that person maybe it's somebody that's in bondage to an addiction or whatever it might be God wants us to intercede I want to ask you don't raise your hand you raise your heart to God how many is willing to say God I want to be your intercessor I want to stand in the gap I want to believe every promise God that you have for me and my family you know God put promises in some of your hearts years ago that still haven't come to pass 
can't let go of that dream. You know what a prophetic word is? It's God's preferred future for you. It's God's preferred future. So when God gave you a prophetic word, either through the word of God, through the lips of a prophet or whoever, that's God's preferred future. You can interrupt the process if you're not careful. Amen. So Lord, I thank you for every person here, mighty God. God, I just, I just release my heart to you fresh and new to become more of an intercessor that's pleasing you, Father God. To have a greater need to pray, to seek your face, Father God, for compassion for the innocent, compassion even for the lost. God, a greater burden for our nation, Father God. God, we just want to see your plan come to pass. Daniel wasn't concerned about his agenda. It was your agenda. God, we want your agenda to come to pass. So, God, we just, we just lift up our hearts as a church, as Impact Church. God, we just want to fulfill your plan for our city, your plan for our nation, not our agenda, not our plan. Let us fulfill your plan. God, we just bl- love you. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.